This is Matthias Horner, director of Warriors Gate, and you're listening to the Kung Fu Drive-In podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. today's episode, we sit down with writer, producer, director, Matthias Hona. Hona is known for his 2012 comedy action horror Cockneys vs. Zombies, as well as the upcoming 2016 fantasy kung fu epic, The Warrior's Gate. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vita, and on to the double-length interview with Matthias Hona. Chaos descended from the north. Peace the emperor had worked so hard to build began to fall apart. So you are the Black Knight. The only one who can rally the people to defeat the barbarians and save our kingdom. Get rid of him. I need your help. Excuse me? All right, I have a very special guest tonight. My guest tonight is Matthias Hona. And Matthias, am I pronouncing that correctly? You did pronounce it correctly. That's um, a first, so congratulations. Excellent. I mean, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> I, I try very hard. <laughs> but um, yes. Matthias Hone is the. Uh, writer, producer, director of the 2012 comedy horror Cockneys vs. Zombies, which, by the way, is a fantastic film, and also the upcoming fantasy kung fu epic The Warrior's Gate, uh, which is a, uh, a French and Chinese joint production that will be releasing in China November 18th. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Excellent. Matthias? And, um, no, no, it's it's, um, it's ri- written by Luke Besong and um, Robert Kamen, and um, it's coming out in the U.S. in March. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Matthias, a, a proper welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on the show with me. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you. I think the uh, podcast, is, podcast is awesome, and it's an honor to be on it. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so let me uh, let me start by uh, by trying not to mangle this, but uh, vielen Dank für mit mir zu sprechen. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> das ist sehr gut, mein Herr. Sehr gut. <laughs> I, uh, I got to spend some time in Basel, Switzerland, so uh, I learned Swiss German. And um, I have the uh, ability to speak at the level of a toddler with brain damage, I think. But um, <laughs> but I, I do enjoy speaking uh, German and trying to learn the language, so I try to use it when I can. Okay. Uh, well, um, I'll teach you a couple more phrases by the end of this podcast. <laughs> I, I, I do know one phrase that, uh, that uh, a couple of friends taught me that uh that said that told me that it would be popular in certain parts of germany so uh it goes um ich habe viel geld und weiß nicht wie zu kämpfen <laughs> yes you have a lot of money and you don't know what to do with it <laughs> so, so uh, i think they tried to lead me astray there but okay so let's uh let's get into it then uh i got to uh get in touch with you via twitter and uh i thank the internet for that um i wasn't sure that you were actually who you were because the name was familiar but uh, I checked it out and uh, apparently you um, you checked out uh, the Kung Fu Driving podcast which is a great honor for me yeah no, absolutely it's, it's great to um, to connect and that you know for me it was a dream to um, to be able to go to China and make a Kung Fu movie because it's something that I always felt was an ambition of mine but also when you I live in London when you're sort of um, a German in London, it doesn't feel like the most 
straightforward thing to uh, to make happen. So um, it's it was a great ex- experience, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it in a lot more detail um, in the next few half hours. So. Yeah, it must be. Um, are you a kung fu fan yourself? Well, you know, um, I want to say this. So I grew up in in Berlin when the wall was still up, and um, as a sort of ten year old kid or eight year old kid. I had a, like a, a friend of mine and me, we used to watch ninja movies every afternoon. And then we would go out and play by the Berlin Wall and make our own Molotov cocktails and try to throw them over the wall to set off the anti-personal minds <laughs> in the death zone between the two walls. And um, and we were not even like tall enough or strong enough to throw the Molotov cocktails high enough. But um, we wanted to be those ninjas and we wanted to like, you know, start our own revolutions and see things blow up. So um, that was sort of my childhood, which is sort of weird and scary. And, you know, I, I was into all sorts of martial arts. I did ninjutsu, I did uh, judo, I did kung fu. So I was always into that from a sort of doing it myself standpoint. And you know what? I actually, um, when, I, um, then I, when I got older, we had um, one very special video rental store you know back in the day when we still had video rental stores and they um there was it was called the video drome and um and they were only stocking art house movies from all over the world that you wouldn't be able to get anywhere really so you know i got introduced into crazy stop motion films by jan Svankmeyer. i um i got into japanese animation and um on um, those kind of early um, I mean, from Akira, of course, to um, all the other um, demonic, uh, superhero, yes. crazy yes, Japanese yes, yes. movies. And then also I kind of, um, I really got introduced into um, a filmmaker, a Hong Kong filmmaker called Chui Ha. Chui Ha, yes. Who, um, yes. I mean, he did, I, I sort of, when I watched his A Chinese Ghost Story, yeah, um, you know, before Hidden Dragon, Crouching Tiger and all of those other films, it was just sort of this amazingly creative, totally mind-bending kung fu martial arts extravaganza with wires and flying swords <laughs> and just sort of a level of inventiveness of filmmaking that I had never seen before in, in any you know Western movie. And um, at the same time, you know, beautiful Chinese girls and um, heroic fighters. And it really blew my mind um, seeing that film and I started watching other, uh, you know, Dragon Gate in, and you know, of course, the Shaw Brothers. Oh, the Shaw Brothers, um, yes. exactly. So um, that was sort of my early introduction into into martial arts movies. And but in a way, you know, being away, I mean, being away of live, growing up in Berlin, my parents are like um, all scientists. They're not, no one is in the show in show business. No one's really um, was really doing anything relating to movies or vaguely um in, in that's in that direction so for me to kind of um to become a filmmaker was a sort of long journey in itself i ended up um starting as an illustrator doing fantasy illustrations for um role-playing oh, games really? that's and, great um yeah it was sort of my um it's quite interesting because it um we had a sort of a small but kind of cool scene in berlin and people were publishing their own books and um and I would get to read the, you know, the, the the books themselves, and then kind of always ask myself, okay, what would be the coolest image to um to illustrate this yeah. chapter, you know, and um and that sort of thinking was is kind of still what I do now when I read a script. I kind of think, what's the coolest picture I can put to um to the screenplay, to this moment in the screenplay, and I sort of do a scribble, and and then now I get to um have a storyboard artist who makes it look much nicer, and and um. 
you know, in that moment when you actually see it in real life um, in front of the camera, it's kind of, it's very amazing and quite a blessing. But it took a long while to get there. So I start, you know, I went to college in London and, um, and kind of ended up sort of getting into music videos and commercials because that seemed something that um, all my fellow students were doing and holding down a career doing and paying their bills with and um, seemed the most sort of um, sensible next step. Um, and I spent a lot of time doing kind of music videos for smaller artists and some of my commercials won a few yes, awards yes, yes. and that got me. Yeah, so um, it was sort of, you know, it was a, a good time in London, you know, and, and very creative. Well and, um, your your films yeah. have won awards as well. I know Cockneys vs. Zombies has, has grabbed a few awards at, at different festivals, yes? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, most importantly, at, in, at San Sebastian yes. Film Festival, which is the um, toughest, most cruel film festival <laughs> I've ever experienced, because what they do with the audience price is, after each movie, um, they, they do the survey, how, how people like the film, and then they put the score of the movie on a public billboard outside the oh. cinema. So, um, <laughs> so I was asking the organizers, guys, I mean, what happens if you have a filmmaker here and, and their film scores one out of 10? And isn't that a little bit cruel to put that up publicly? And he went, yeah. You know, there's tears and all of that, but <laughs> that's you know. cruel. That's <laughs> so cruel. <laughs> Yeah, and it was sort of, um, it, it, you know, it was funny. But the audience, and you know, it, it, luckily they gave me the audience award, so I didn't have, have to go through that. But um, it was a fun Spanish raucous um, um, festival, and you know, we all we all had a good good time then. You know what? Yeah, so that's great. Um, um, and I'll, I'll say that uh, Cockneys versus Zombies seemed like a good time movie, if ever there was one. It seemed like that movie was fun to shoot, fun to work on. The whole attitude of, of Cockneys being the, the heroes of the movie was all born out of this really fun idea, which uh, was was your baby, right? Yes, absolutely. So I was um, I was working on a web series um, called Beyond the Rave, which had a couple of Cockney characters in it. And um, they only had about three lines in the script. Um, but when they started improvising... Um, faced with the supernatural enemy. It was so funny because normally a protagonist in a horror movie is scared or worries or questions what's going on or what monster they're up against. The cockneys didn't really care. They were like, fucking vampires? All right, let's fucking have it. And just cocked their shotgun and went like, all right, let's sort these fuckers out. And just kind of got on with business like it's nothing else. Um, and I thought that sort of attitude was so funny. Um, and... And I was sort of mentioning to my line producer at the time, I said, look, James, these guys are so funny. We need to give them a movie. And it's very simple. Look, we're, we're trying to do a low budget thing. We can't do aliens. They're too expensive. Werewolves are always a little bit tricky when you're on a budget. We're doing vampires. So the only things left is zombies. So he goes, hmm, okay. And came back a week later and said, okay, Matthias, I've set up our movie. We've got a sales agent. All we need now is a script. And I'm like... What, what do you mean? What do you mean, our movie? He goes, Cockneys versus Zombies. They love it. Um, and uh, so it was sort of, um, and it, you know, to be fair, it was at a time when it was before Walking Dead came out. It was before we were so oversaturated yes. with zombies when we started, sat, you know, doing the work. And, you know, and you can't turn around when there's 20 other zombie movies and yours is about to go and say, oh, you know what, um, Maybe we don't have that niche anymore, but I, I kind of feel tonally it sort of it sits on its own. 
and even at the time um, the review said you know there's this i don't want any more zombie movies but this one i'll give it a break is um it sort of had its own charm i think and it's really not it's really not so much of a zombie oh, movie, absolutely. you know i it's was just gonna of, say that it's, I, it's really not about the zombies much at all no it's kind of an action adventure with zombies a cockney adventure with yeah. zombies that's kind of what i wanted to make and um and you know in, in anticipation of maybe doing my next film i already gave them a lot of swords and more <laughs> martial artistic weapons yeah, speaking of which how do you go from the cockneys uh, of the east end to kung fu warriors in ancient china so i remember Going, going to the Berlin Film Festival by my um, agent called me and said, I've got a script for you. I'm like, okay, okay, send it over. And um, he sent it over and it said, um, Warriors Gate by Luc Besson and Robert Kamen. And I was like, well, wait a second, what's going on here? <laughs> so, um, you know, um, of course we all, you know, I was a big fan of um, Luc's early work, uh, Leon, um, The Big Blue, Fifth Element, all those sort of amazing European films. And then, of course, his produ- producing work like Taxi or um, Taken is, is mm-hmm. great and, and really sort of, for you know, for us in Europe, kind of the only entity, the only guy who's doing bigger international movies on that level. Um, so to be able to be sent that script was exciting. And I sort of sat down in the cafe and read through it in one go. And um, um, I didn't actually realize that Robert Kamen wrote the original Karate Kid, right, right. Um, as well as all these other things, you know. Um, and it had that sort of cool, I mean, it had that sort of fun Karate Kid spirit, um, but mixed in with the time travel story of um, an American boy who is magically transported back to ancient China because, um, and must become a hero in order to defeat the barbarian king who kidnapped his girlfriend and future empress of China. Um, and it was sort of, it was set, um, I love the main character who is um, Jack, uh, who is a, a hero in the, in the computer game world, but is um, picked on and useless in the real world. And um, our, our time traveling Chinese warrior mistakes him for his computer game character, the Black Knight. <laughs> And is totally disappointed when he arrives in Jack's bedroom and it's this little pipsqueak who's not worth anything. But um, he has no choice. He has to leave the princess with him and go back through the magic box to um, fend off the barbarians. So Jack sort of is tasked with this stunningly beautiful Chinese princess played by Nini who um, you know is used to a, a life of luxury and, and every one of her whims being served by her hundreds of, of staff and um, he has to introduce her to um, American culture uh, and break dancing in shopping malls and all of that um, that you know when, um, when she's kidnapped um, by the barbarians he jumps after her and goes on a big quest to rescue her and save her and win it her It sounds like so um, much fun and the, the, the trailer that has been released looks incredible the sets look amazing, the costumes look incredible, the actors all look so immersed in their roles, I know you have you were saying Nini and um, uh, Mark Chow I believe uh, and uh, Dave yeah. Batista and Uriah Shelton, and uh, I know the high concept, something like The Last Starfighter meets Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in the world of The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, about that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and for me it was a dream come true. You know, I think um, being able to um, 
get the opportunity to go to China to um, to go to these amazing locations, these amazing backlots that I I um, only saw in movies before. You know, I also I was a big fan of Hero and Curse of the Golden Flower. Um, and then I got to work with some of those guys who um, who made those films, and it was um, it was special in that um, that kind of scope is kind of difficult to achieve in the Western world now, where you know over there they just have acres and acres of backlots that were built 20 years ago for 20 million dollars, and they're still there, and you can just turn up and do an epic wide shot, and it's um, you know fairly straightforward. And that was kind of amazing experience. When I, after I read the script, it, you know, I was um, super psyched up, and I said, I called my agent straight away, and I said, okay, um, I got to get this. I got to get this film. It's 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 amazing. So he goes, how long do you need to put a presentation together? And I said, well, you know, to really, you know, formulate my vision and really support it with with the right materials, I'm going to need three weeks. He goes, too long. I want you in LA in four days, and you're going to have to present then. <laughs> Um, so I was like, okay, oh god, um, and he always does this to me. So um, I spend a, a you know four days working day and night, um, you know, really kind of working out my take on the material, and you know, I have a lot of very specific ideas on action choreography and how to work the characters and the styling and the locations and all, all of those sort of things, and put it all together. And um, and it was great because I had a meeting with all the heads of Europa Core. At the end of the, they were like, okay, great. Now you need to go to Paris and you need to meet Luke. And then three days later, I was in, you know, in Paris, and I said, um, okay, Matthias, I have, I like your presentation, I like your movie. Um, I, um, you know, they were looking for someone who could do comedy and action and visual effects. And it's um, after Cockneys vs. Zombies, I was kind of one of the few guys in Europe who who could do that. I guess mix comedy and action and and control the tone of uh, of something like that. And um, he said to me, I have only one concern about you. And I was like, okay, what's that? He goes, your humor. Your humor is too fr- uh, too British. I'm not sure it's right for this. I'm like, okay, that's good, because did you realize I'm German? <laughs> and, um, and I was like, wow, if, if I manage to fool him, um, a German doing British humor, then I think I'll be okay. I can, I can do... American humor or Chinese humor or whatever is necessary. Yeah, that's great. And uh, this isn't, um, it's not, this is not a small budget picture or anything like that. It's Luc Besson. It's uh, a huge cast. It's a, a huge set. Um, was it daunting for you to go from something like Cockneys versus Zombies, which is, you know, a, a project that's near and dear to your heart, to something that is as grand in scope as The Warrior's Gate looks to be? Well, I think. Um you know, when I made Cockneys vs. Zombies, um, it was a film, it was sort of between one and a half and two million dollars, and it should have by all means been a contained horror film in one location with three characters and some zombies. You know, that's what you should do on, sure. on that sort of budget. And I foolishly decided, okay, I'm going to do a big action movie with 10 lead characters, half of which are going to be over 75 <laughs> years old. And we're going to get them into London buses and fighting with guns and being chased to the boat and then getting on the Thames. And it's going to be great. And then, um, and then I realized, okay, so, you know, the stress involved with, um, you know, having to stay on top of a logistic um, challenge like that um, with no time and very little money for what we try to achieve it was extreme I mean it was fun but quite um, quite stressful and I felt I, that kind of really prepared me to um, 
to a bigger movie like Warriors Gate, where in a way it was in some ways simpler that there was fewer lead characters, but then in many ways it was much more epic in terms of the scale of um, of action, the scale of um, of the sets and backgrounds and costume design and all of those sort of things. I thought I was ready, and then I realized what I was in for, <laughs> and, um, and then I learned on the It job. looks like it's going to be a fun time for sure. But speaking of the action and the choreography and all of that stuff, how much of that kung fu that you grew up with, uh, how much of all of that mystique and martial arts makes it into this film? So I try to make every action scene in the film different. Um, so I wanted to make sure that there's about almost nine separate bigger sequences that um, each um, have a different style and a different kind of scale and a different sort of concept behind them. And I wanted to make sure that we um, that I wanted I paid homage to you know the great um, great wife uh, kung fu from um, you know Hidden Dragon Crouching Tiger the great ch- Chinese tradition but also um, to move on from that and make um, more modern and more sort of hard hitting fight choreographies and not not you know not not defy the laws of physics unless we are talking about flying witches or something that's magical in its own basically <laughs> but also i kind of approached every scene initially from much more of a character driven standpoint i wanted to make sure that we, we don't have any fight scenes like sometimes in um when when you have uh, when you don't have much time and uh, or you're sort of in a second unit um machine of making a fight sequence you know um We'll have a, two cameras, tight shot, tight shot, both shake around a little bit, and you try to hit a lot of punches, and then you sort of mush it together in an edit, and then it sort of works. And but it doesn't, you never quite feel what the um, actors are feeling in the moment, or what the characters are supposed to be feeling. You're not with the with the story, as you know. Ideally, you have your protagonist who is faced with the challenge, which could be the antagonist or, you know, the spare that the antagonist is throwing at him and then figures out how to avoid it either by ducking or by using, I don't know, a frying pan to deflect it or his shield or, you know, so you you feel really involved with the character's journey in the action sequence, which to me is better storytelling and also makes an action sequence part of um, part of the story, part of an emotional right. journey, really. So um, I, try, yeah, I try to make sure that every scene we um we really feel um which actor we're going um on that journey with and um and really feel with them as they're growing and figuring out how to overcome um the crazy barbarians or all the other things that are sort of in their way and then from that you kind of get a feeling of okay this this scene is sort of uh, in this case we're mostly following jack so um his first fight is a real kind of crazy i've never actually been in a fight before fun kind of ducking diving getting out of the way being half lucky half sort of um yeah mostly lucky and kind of cheeky as as he's trying to avoid and trying to find his way around these barbarians that fight him and then as we grow through the story he becomes more competent he's being schooled by um the chinese warrior who he's with who who fights much more traditionally and has more wire um kung fu and in in his sequences and then um we sort of get a fusion of styles in the end where um our hero is confident and knows what he's doing and um and is fast and but finds his own own style uh and yeah so there's a bit of you know enter the dragon there's a bit of chinese ghost story a bit of hidden dragon culture and tiger but also um also some more modern um choreographies that um 
Yeah, because uh, I know uh, Dave um, Batista, who is uh, the barbarian king, I believe, in the movie, is a, a an yes. ex-MMA fighter. So it's not like he's coming to the movie without any skills. So did he get to show off any of his fighting skills in any of the choreography? Yeah, absolutely. He has a big... So he has a big epic fight at the end, um, sword on sword, him and, um, and Jack. And it's, uh, it's amazing because he's got such a huge presence. Um, Literally. Set. Just when you, when you, yeah, I mean, he's, he's like, I don't know, seven foot something and, you know, it's about something. 12 foot wide and his voice is like deep like this. And, you know, he, he you know, um, he's amazing. And I, um, also he's got this sort of glint in his eyes that um, it's just, um, you know, frightening and, and, um, yeah. and fun at the same time. And I think, um when he swings a sword at you, um, you really don't want to be in the way of that sword. It, it, you know, it's pretty impressive. So he got some amazing fight sequences in in the end of the movie, and um, you know we were very lucky that we got him. He was just finishing Bond at the time, and it was just a matter of like two days that um, the schedules worked out. And um, and I know he wanted to do the film because his character is also he's very scary, but he's also very funny and. Um, and it's a side he hasn't. I guess he's shown it in Guardians of the Galaxy, but um, he got to show it a little bit more in this film, which is <laughs> and, cool. And uh, what about uh, his castmate Nini? Now, is she in the style of other uh, martial arts leading ladies uh, in you know various wuxia kung fu films, like uh, Maggie Chung or Rosamund Kwan or, or uh, actors along that? Like, does she get to display some of her kung fu prowess as well? Absolutely. So she, you know, every every um, Luc Besson production has amazing female lead characters because um, he, you know, the way she was conceived as a character, her character, um, Sulin was conceived, she is um, basically everything a woman would want to be. At first, she's a beautiful um, um, empress full of dignity and honor and, and absolutely stunning and flawless. Then we take her to America and she realizes that um, while she's grown up in court in China, she's um, she's never really been allowed. She was always the, the empress, but she was never allowed to be right. a girl. She was never allowed to be a kid. So she discovers her sort of um, her girly side in, um, in in America and has a great time and you know and starts flirting with Jack and um, she becomes very cool and 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 funny and then um, she's kidnapped and then she, we see her tough side. We see that she can fight. That she can she um, can really stand herself. She um, is about to get married in the most beautiful costume. When um, I'm, yes, I'm yeah, not no give too much away, but I think um, anyway, she's gonna get. She's we're gonna see her fight. We're gonna see her stunningly beautiful as a, an empress, and we're gonna see her human side as well. And um, you know, it wasn't easy to find um, an actress that had um, that could sh- show so many different sides. And she was really um, the perfect find. She um, she was amazing in Flowers of War, and she has a very um, a, a very honest and authentic way of acting. Where you know she, you can really sense um, that she's feeling true emotions in every moment of the film. That it's not you know that it's really coming from a, a place deep in her heart, and it really shows in her eyes. And um, she was very That's special. Great. That's great. You know. Now, so as a as a kung fu fan, as a fan of the seventies, eighties, when I go to watch this film am i going to recognize some of those homages to those original films <laughs> you know i i want to say i didn't i don't tend to really do direct um 
homages um, to other movies. I've, I kind of always try to find um, the fun of a scene and coming from the characters, but also you kind of go and you try to um, find the funniest props that you can give the actors to fight with. And um, that comes from the location, but also kind of from trying to think what would be the the most um, interesting way to, to have these characters fight. So uh, I think um, you'll get a spirit of, um, of Karate Kid in there. Um, you'll definitely get a little bit of a Chinese ghost story in one or two scenes. You know, I hope I hope it'll stand I'm on its sure own. I'm sure it will. It, it, the the uh, poster art that I've seen uh, is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it, it harkens back to some of those uh, really lush, beautiful wuxia posters from uh, from uh, earlier eras. Mm. So um, I know in one of them, I think uh, Mark Chow's riding a dragon. Do you have dragons in the <laughs> yes. movie? Um, I, I want to be straight with you. No. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I think um, the fun thing about releasing a movie in China is that um, unlike um, a Western movie or Western release where you try to have one key poster and maybe two or three variations and really kind of show one image that is the movie. In China, there's, I think, 40 different posters already. Um, and one for every every part of um, of China that you know feels different about the movie, every demographic from kids to grandparents. And, um, and maybe that's where sometimes the... Um, the liberty of putting a dragon on the poster comes from. I, um, you know, the Chinese are used to it. I think uh, I, we won't have dragons on posters. <laughs> the um, <laughs> the trailer, uh, it doesn't have dragons, but it has so one really kind of scary-looking, formidable giant beast of a thing screaming. Uh, is that <laughs> is that some kind of monster that uh, we're going to have to deal with in the movie? Yeah, so there's a there's a small role for um, um, Dave Bautista's sidekick, who I call the Gimp for killing, um, because what he does he he murders people um, for the for the barbarian king. Um, Brutus, I found a really interesting character, um, a Hong Kong actor called Jack Ha, who used to in the 80s fight in illegal boxing matches, and um, he's this sort of really tough scarred um, strong guy who's a real sweetheart and the loveliest person you can imagine um, when we auditioned him he was so good that my uh, my producer said to me look Matthias we gotta give him a bigger role he, he's sort of he's such an asset let's he's only got a few lines let's give him a bigger role so I said okay um, I sat down and I, I wrote a scene where we transform him into a 15 foot ogre and I thought okay now he's got the biggest role in the movie and um, it was a fun thing that we, you know, managed to do that. I think uh, he hasn't seen it yet, and I think he's going to love himself 15 foot tall fighting our heroes. The general premise of this movie is something that uh, I, as a kung fu fan growing up and watching all of these uh, supernatural heroes jumping around and flying and, and doing all these amazing things on screen, um, it seems like this movie is wish fulfillment of the highest order for that kind of thing because we all wanted to be those kung fu heroes we all wanted to be that kung fu master uh that got to defeat the bad guy and and uh mm. and uh end up with the pretty girl so um this looks like this is jack being every one of us who wants to be that character and is getting the opportunity to live this out 
in what looks to be an amazing set of circumstances and characters and uh, and time uh, that uh, that he gets to be fully immersed in. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think um, Jack, who's played by um, a young actor called Uriah Shelton, was um, an amazing find because, um, you know, as you always do, you interview 500 kids and you try to find the perfect one and it's, um, it's difficult. And then he walked into the room and he, he brought a, a levity and just a sense of fun to the role that I, I immediately knew, okay, he's great, he gets it, he's going to be perfect. Um, so in my head, I already decided, okay, this is our Jack, Uri Shelton, that's it. Um, and then by the end of the interview on, or the casting session, he said, oh, and by the way, did you know that I have no a black belt in Take One Doe as well? <laughs> and I was like, yes! Um, so um, it ended up that um, he was so good at fighting. He was better than his body double. So, you know, everything, all the fights in, in, in the film are usually um, him. Uh, and, and, cool. you know, you can see him act while kind of kicking ass and he's great, you know, and I think um, I kind of feel I, I wanted to give the film, you know, make it feel modern, but, uh, you know, have a sense of nostalgia going through the film as well, because I love those films from the 80s, like Karate Kid, like um, The Last Snowfighter, where you just sort of feel transported and it, it feels and it's a warm, fun um escapist adventure and i don't think we're making enough of those films now funnily enough stranger things came out recently which is a similar um maybe much more of a, a straight up homage to the 80s but i wanted to give it that spirit because i just like the warmth of of those kind of stories and i, I think um at the same time i made it edgier so i wanted to make a, an edgy amblin movie um and make it make it a hard hitting a, a sort of Europeco version of that, and I hope that um, people will appreciate that and, and really get into it. I think um, from the screenings I've had, um, the film's gone down very well, and um, you know I'm actually going to go to um, China next week um, to get ready for the world premiere, which is on November 15, and um, it's sort of we're doing a, a tour of China, which um, going which goes through all the provinces and all their um, small mega cities of 20 million people. <laughs> The, the film is sort of starting in all the um, in different cinemas, and you know it's a it's a Chinese release of on five thousand screens, which you know for us is massive, of course, and over there you know it's just five thousand screens. Um, so I hope people in China will love it, and I hope um, people here will love it, and um, I'm definitely very proud of it, and um, I'm getting a lot of great opportunities for follow-up projects from it, and it's very exciting. But at the end of the day, I. I, I don't, um, that's all the business side. I, I really got um, very lucky in that I got to play in sort of a big Lego, yeah. Lego with a big Lego kit and a big sandbox, you know, where with princesses and warriors and kung fu. And, you know, I got to work with those amazing actors and actresses. And But also, you know, for example, I got to work with a, a great action choreographer who um, should be mentioned called Tony Ling, who... Um, was second in, in command oh, nice, on um, Kill Bill. And, um, and yeah, you know, he really, he was a fun Hong Kong dude to, he, who had the same sense of humor as me, but also was, a, you know, great at putting those choreographies together and, and taking my ideas and just adding another level of, um, of skill and, 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 and sort of um, choreography to it. And his team were 
ace as well, really um, fighting. So, so, you know, making those choreographies feel so effortless and yet oh, so hard-hitting and cool. Yeah, and great. When, I, uh, great when I got to speak with you a little bit on Twitter, I mentioned that Kung Fu needs you. Uh, and I, I, when I said that, I meant that um, <laughs> there, are, there are still great martial arts movies coming out of China. There's great martial arts movies coming out of America and things like that. Um, the the stuff that's coming out though tends to be a little darker, a little harder edged, uh, where there isn't much room for lightness and uh, levity and uh, fun part of kung fu that uh, made those mm-hmm. '70s uh, Shaw Brothers classics the classics that they are. You know, there was a, a little bit of of mm-hmm. lightheartedness to to some of that stuff. Some of the characters were were. Uh, jokesters and they had fun with their kung fu and they made it look like it was something that you could you could still uh, kick some ass but you could have fun doing it you know what I mean so <laughs> again but um, so yeah when you bring something like this to, uh, yeah, to no. the Warriors Gate it seems like there's going to be some opportunity for Jack to grow into his kung fu and and uh, kind of take us along that ride and maybe there's a lot of room for him to have fun with it and for us to, to have fun watching him. Yeah, totally. And um, I think I was also, of course, inspired by Jackie Chan and, you know, his early films like The Drunken Master, which just, um, I think, was special because it was Jackie doing it himself. He could do the choreography, um, but then act and react at the same time. And I think... Um, those facial expressions that he pulls when he's, you know, that's what I guess tried to get at earlier when I said about um, that I didn't want to lose sense of the story while you're while you're in an action choreography. It's the same thing because you know you um, say you're Jack and you hit one guy and you're, it's the first time you defeated someone and you kind of go okay this was all right um, and so looks at it fist and kind of goes okay maybe 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 I can do this and then five. Five more barbarians turn up with their swords raised, and then you kind of come back and you see Jack going, oh, no, that wasn't right, and get scared. And, you know, you can kind of infuse a lot of comedy and a lot of humanity in all, into all of those moments. Um, and it's sort of something I tend to naturally do, and I don't know why, but it's sort of... Because I, I, like, I guess I like to think about um, what's the mis- most mischievous thing we can do to our character, how can we have the most fun, and what's the funniest situation... Yeah, so I had a, I tried to make it an experience of fun and levity, and I think it's something I really learned on my first film because the reason we don't have many action comedies are twofold actually. When you mix when you mix two genres, it's more difficult sure, to yeah. um to sell a movie. You know, you have a horror comedy uh, or a, you know a gangster horror comedy makes it difficult for the marketing department in, in, in a world where weekend one is everything um it makes it more difficult to um for those films to make a splash um so let fewer people can make them because it's harder to find financing um but then also when you do make them it's very complicated to control a tone in a movie like that because um if you start making a film to be funny um you invariably have characters that act out of um, or that undermine the truthfulness of, of the action and the um, and um, the drama. So controlling the tone in an action comedy is is very complicated because um, if you just make jokes for jokes' sake, you immediately undercut um, the truthfulness of 
of the action moments, of the drama, of the of the situation, and you end up with a film that might be funny, but you lose the audience straight away because they don't believe the setup and the situation anymore, and they don't believe um, why they right. should be scared for the character. The movie will be uh, debuting in China very soon. Uh, when you watch the movie now, is there a scene that stands out that you are incredibly proud of, maybe really typifies what you put into this movie to, to bring it to life? Yes, absolutely. So I think the opening sequence is, um, I love the opening sequence. It's a big action-packed um, sword fight between um, samurais, um, medieval wow. knights and vikings <laughs> believe it or not and um it's uh, and uh, it was a lot of fun to film and uh, it, you know to to design and, and make and um i think it's an it, it's a great opening and then um on the flip side um the coronation of the empress i got um i got to film in some amazing sets and again have some beautiful costumes and um great music and um it's a very cinematic moment uh, with no dialogue that is um just beautiful and was again sort of a dream come true so the, between the two i think the um the dark and gritty and action-packed and then the the beauty and um levity of of um the coronation scene th those are my favorite scenes and um <laughs> yeah everything in between so uh, you know. <laughs> okay then uh then um, one last uh, yes. parting thought uh then what do you want this movie to mean to to your audience? What do you want them to take away from it? My my dad came to set. He'd never been on a film set before, and he walked up into Jack's bedroom, which was um, in China. That looks just like your bedroom, and um, and I was like, yeah, maybe it's right. that's exactly how I grew up. Um, you know, into computer games, into fantasy, into science fiction, all of that, and um, I always dreamt to um. That I could be a, a mighty warrior and have um, adventures in, in, you know, awake places. And I kind of feel that um, this movie has a very much a, a positive message. That, um, if you believe in yourself and if you um, if you stop worrying, you can um, you can become a hero. And it's it's sort of already in us, and we just ne need to let it come out. And um, I think that's a very universal. I think you know that, that's uh, actually uh, one of and the central themes about the um the discipline of kung fu right it, it's all within you if absolutely the idea that you um that your conscious mind is um is in the way of really feeling, um acting on instinct and finding your inner chi um i think it's kung fu teachers that asian philosophy taoism teaches that um maybe our modern movies sometimes touch upon but i think it's such a universal message um Doing a stress, your core, your peace um, is when you want to, you know, become happy and very achieve cool. the things you um, want to achieve. I wish you the very best of luck with the the film premiere in China. Uh, I can't wait for it to be released here in the U.S. And you said that will be coming in March, and yes, uh, hopefully, I'll I'll be able to get uh, one of the first seats for that showing because it it looks like an incredibly fun time. And uh, thank you again for speaking with me. It, it's been an honor to have you on the show. And I again, I wish you the very best of luck with the film. And you. Thank you, Jeff. All right, Poison Clan, that's going to do it for this week. My sincere thanks goes out to Matthias Honer for taking the time out to speak with me. It was a blast speaking with him about the movie, and I'm looking forward to it dropping in March. In the meantime, go check out the trailer. You can find it online anywhere great trailers are sold. And if you want to get in touch with me, get in touch with me at Twitter, at Kung Fu Drive-In. 
Same on Instagram. Check out the Facebook page or just drop me an email kungfudrabin at gmail.com. Until next week, Poison Clan. Peace. Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time is warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time is warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws I see the iron fisted monk upon the daily prayers Shouting monks on the hands, running down the thousand stairs The fate of Lee Khan, now's in King Yu's hands With the fearless idea, they're roaming over the land Yeah, the little bit soldier is older and wiser He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to great jars Fight for the cars, then pass here the applause Not the end back kicks, will defeat the outlaws Very good, but more don't hit back Yeah, the death jewels here David D is coming back The Tai Chi master Jet Li's even faster Bitch had a little drink Because he is the drunken master Once upon a time in China Rosa McQuan is real fine But see Maggie show his spine Golden Swallow has arrived Shang-Chi movies Will the hero will survive We've got the brave archer Make his way to the top Of the mountain Gonna fight May as well pick the spot Yeah, the sky goes black Cause the vampire's back We've got Lam Ching-Ying To kill them all So stand back You place the black magic On the soul of the sword and our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah, Wing Chun Shaolin and Mantis style Yeah, defeat the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary Pops Walk to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm, we smash the place up with a dragon claw See it's a game of death yo, you're facing the big boss It's once upon a time in China counting the TikTok The Shogun assassin slashing blood of just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the won't stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got Irma just in yellow but she is in the dragon but in the tea rooms That's where it'll happen, she got the bodies on the floor When the blood it'll splatter against the wall No fear at all, to kill them all There's always blood spilled when you head into a war Fearless, unlike the fist of legend that the car Jet Lee I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these It's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm, we smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha!